Hi, this is Adam from Chef Life Radio. I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine who's doing some great work. Have you done all the hard work of writing a book, but you can't get it in enough readers' hands? If so, check out my podcast, The Reluctant Book Marketer, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out his podcast, won't you? The links are in the show notes. Well, cheers to another one. Knives down. Aprons off. The last table is served. The station is broken down. Everything's put away. Your inventory is complete. And now it's time to meet me on the back dock where all the most important meetings are held. We chef! Take a deep breath and enjoy a job well done. At ease, kick off your clogs, smoke them if you got them. How about a nice cold beverage? Maybe a little bit of ice vine, a little bit of mountain sunshine. What do you think? Pull up a milk crate, let's get comfortable, and let's get to the good shit. Oh, yes, chef. We're on the dock with restaurateur, self-proclaimed taco maker, and dear friend, Deidre McGinnis Sioko. So there's a bunch of exercises that I've been going through, and I got into a conversation with a bunch of people on Facebook who gave me some opinions. And several of them were women who had been in the industry for a while, who I happen to know and have worked with. And they were reflecting back to me, you know, the misogyny that they still encounter. And... My response to one of them was, you know, if you're secure in, in the value that you represent and your own abilities, then what the fuck do you care about what anybody else has to say? Which is easy to say when it, you know, when it's not my boss, right? And it's easy to say when you're a man. Sure. But, you know, one of the reasons I asked you on this show is, you know, you're one of the smartest people I know. And when you talked about, you know, never taking any time off. You know, you were the, always the one that never gave yourself any time off. You had a drive unlike anything I had experienced and kind of shamed me a little bit because I was like, shit, man, I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so this so this thing about taking Joey to the to the abogado, to the lawyer's office, is really fascinating for me because even though you knew that, especially in a, a patriarchal society like the Caribbean and Latin America, you know, you know that you're going to be in this situation where someone's going to be looking down or you're trying to take advantage of you, you've just created a strategy by which, you know, that can't happen. Yeah. I mean, how many times had you run up against that before you figured "Mm, there's got to be a better way? Yeah. It took me a long time, but I think that also, you know, I mean, this is something that a lot of us, I think, who've been in the biz for a long time. I know a lot of my friends, um, we've all worked so hard. It is the nature of the business. And I see as we're aging, a lot of us turning to meditation, prayer, getting rid of our bad habits, all those things that come from the business. And in that, there's a lot of space to learn one of those three R's, reinvent. Okay, I'm going to come up against this. What can I do? just to make it easier for me. Now, my son has nothing to do with our business. He no, 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 totally got it. Wouldn't lift him off. He's a standard. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a warm body. But the abogado looked at him directly, spoke to him. The right. <laughs> and I'm okay with that now. But it took me a lot of years in this business to get there, you know, because it is prevalent. This is used to be, I will say used to be, 
when I was coming up in the 80s, you know, it was a very male-dominated business. And I've worked mostly. So I'm kind of like a man. And I think that happens to a lot of women in many businesses that are male-dominated. Mm-hmm. You start to halfway. But if you really come up against it, instead of getting mad or yelling or, you know, working double time, there's ways around it. If you stop and quiet your mind and think about how can I get around this problem? And so with that, with the misogynist lawyer, that's what I came up with. (laughs) Because it's almost like fighting against the story that you're telling yourself, right? The story that you want to hear, the story that you're convinced of. And again, I have no experience because I've never been a woman, although I have worked for women who you know, decidedly want to take out on me every insult that they'd ever sure. went through, which is that's you know, prevalent. Yeah. But um to be able to take all that in and just not let it bother you. Like you have to shift the perspective. You have to say, doesn't mean anything about me, doesn't mean anything about them. It's just the way yeah. things are. And it's not like I'm advocating anybody just ignore abusive situations. No, no. There's I'm not either cultural things that you know, take, you know, the arc of history trends towards justice, but in the moment, you know, might catch a little crap. Yeah. So, and most of all, I was just connected to how much pain they were in, right? Like they didn't actually want to acknowledge it, but in some direct messages, there was some real pain in the fact that they weren't acknowledged for the great employees they were. Not yeah. woman or man, just the fact that, you know, they're holding this thing down and the uh, chef left and, you know, da, 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 and, you know, it, I totally get it. It's so sad. Yeah. And so that's why this goddamn podcast exists now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I particularly was interested in chatting. with. It's not about it being a bitch session. And I liked that you wrote that. Mm. Um it's about finding solutions and right. sharing experiences with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, just overwhelmed by this. Uh... <laughs> it's the devil's bargain, right? Mm-hmm. Like those of us who are called to serve, mm-hmm. you know, in a humble yet begrudging way sometimes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw it in this woman's face last weekend, this kind of like weird dichotomy of like loving what you do, but also hating it. And she actually said out loud while her daughter was at the table, her adult daughter and her da- daughter had never heard this before, but she said, yeah, I wouldn't wish my life on anyone, yeah. you know, running, I, I understand that. running this business. <laughs> And yet she's grooming her daughter, or I guess <laughs> I'm coaching and mentoring her daughter to take the whole thing off. And, you know, some of it is in the design and structure of the organization. And some of it is just the nature of the business, which is why now in my elderhood, when someone says to me, yeah, I'm going to be a chef, hmm. I'm going to be the best. And I'm like, okay, cool. Do me a favor. Get a hobby. Yeah. But chef. Right. Great Chef, advice. you know, cooking is my life. I'm like, um, okay, so just 
let you know, probably wash out pretty soon because if you don't like it's creativity in other areas, like you've, like, I remember reading the stuff that you wrote years ago, Deidre, like, and always thinking of like, why? Okay. What, what you do? And then during COVID you had this explosion of creativity and now you can't stop it. Fucking fantastic. Because thing is creative people can be creative in other ways but it doesn't always have to be channeled into this one thing because then you become that which you are yeah what you do i guess i should say and i guess in the in the larger sense that's that's true about everybody but i always like got twisted up when someone says no i am a chef Mm -hmm. or i am a restaurant owner yeah well yeah that's what you do for a living but that's not the be all and end all even though there's those But it is, unfortunately, <laughs> because Shh, you don't want to tell anybody that I know, but you have to, you, it's like, it's like I say about mothers, you know, when, when I had a baby, I was so angry with every other mother I knew, like, why didn't you tell me how much stuff? Right. It's, you know, you have to be on. And now I tell people, listen, <laughs> put your big girl pants on because this is not as easy as people make it look and it's the same thing with owning your own restaurant or being the head chef or general manager it is your life it's your life and we have to be honest about it but there's a lot of beautiful parts to it and if you can i think for younger people out there if you can learn from us, your elders. <laughs> now, it's hard to do that. It's hard to listen to people who've been there before, but you should get a hobby. Don't make the business your life. You know, set boundaries, do inventories, I mean, you know, all those things. I think people need to be warned of that because, you know, it's a great business. It's a high and so many people and you know i don't know we also have the great opportunity here to be able to give uh back to our community a lot more than we could have in the u.s and we actually made that stipulation in the franchise package that you have to give three percent back to your community good on Um, you girl because that's a big part of it and i know that you years ago were involved with um What's the organization, the chefs? Um, feed, sure. What was share, share our strength. Yeah, taste of the nation. I love our strength. Yeah, all those things are important because we, as an industry, are servers, and you know we can take that opportunity to serve our fellow humans. I also wrote down something else because the, the title of the show actually came to me as during our discussion, which was uh, sober or sobering realizations, you know, not necessarily this idea of like, we have to put away all our bad habits, but the sobering realization that, you know, we, some people might feel like this job chose us, but there's certainly a part of us that, that gravitated towards community. And that's a wonderful thing that I see Joe doing out there on the tables is he's building community because the only thing that people ever want is to feel like a part of something, whether it's the associate or whether it's the, and there's nothing better when the, when the boss knows your name, like, yeah. wow, I can go there and I see him and he says hello to me and he knows who I am and my money's not wasted. I mean, as far as I 
like of everything that I've ever been able to divine of this business that it comes down to two things and it's being in relationship and building community. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know if it was you that coined where it came from, but I love it and I use it a lot. And I think it shows that trickle down. It's a trickle down effect that you're saying right now about how you community that you build your clients. It's also, you know, the restaurant industry is like the island of the misfit toys and it accepts everybody. You're a drug addict, you're drunk, you're mentally ill, you, you know, you're odd, whatever it is, you're welcome here. And, and we're going to make you feel at home. You're going to fit in. And I think that trickles down because, you know, we're used to that as an industry of being a lot of different people and having to work together to orchestrate a beautiful dinner for someone's anniversary. I think the other thing that it uh, spawns is, uh, or or that I've actually been the recipient of is there's like infinite, infinite opportunities for, um, for owning your shit and being um, not only accepted, but being, like, uh, like brought back into the fold. Like there's yeah. so many, I've had, I've had forgiveness bestowed upon me in so many ways and so many times in my career, uh, unlike anything I had ever experienced before. Um, even when I thought I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And that only came through, you know, the people who, uh, thought enough of me that, you know, they would, hold out their hand and say, you know, you're not lost. Just a little fucking confused. Come on back. Yeah. <laughs> Last year or right, the year before the pandemic, I did a consulting job in Rhode Island and I interviewed 42 chefs for a position. That's a lot of chefs. Yeah. And the first question I would ask them, and I'm not a chef. Can't wear that badge. And I, and I, I adore it, but I would say to them, so what's your issue? (laughs) That was the first question. Thank you. And most people would, you know, like, look at me funny, give me this quizzical look. The guy I hired said to me, Jameson's is my issue. He said, I can wait until seven o'clock at night. I'll never drink when I'm behind the line, but Jameson's is my issue. And if you have a problem with that, I don't think I can work here. <laughs> and I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. <laughs> Whatever it is, when you're building a team, everybody gets a slot. Everybody has a space. And all of it can work. Just like in a family. You just got to know where, you know, okay, I'm here. After seven o'clock, I need a best line cook we thought all right that's cool (laughs) it's like ultimately setting everyone up for success like don't promote the best server to a general manager because they'll just fail like they may not necessarily have just because someone's really good at their present job doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be good at something else you know there's training involved and all that kind of stuff but i think not everyone's come out for oh but i think it's incumbent upon us too as like leaders and you know, Peter, you know, 
doesn't matter to me that you're not a chef. Like I said, you're here because you're one of the smartest people I know. I missed you greatly. I wanted to talk to you, but also because I knew you had hard won wisdom. This shit doesn't fucking come easy. And you're still here to tell the fucking tale with a smile on your face. So that I know that there's listeners out there who are going to listen to this and take something away and have their perspective changed in a way that they hadn't anticipated. And so for that, I'm incredibly grateful for you being here. That's it for this episode of Chef Life Radio's On the Dock. There's a new kitchen culture coming, and we all get to be part of it. It's what we wanted when we started, but we're either too afraid or pessimistic to ask for it. It doesn't matter what the poster on the wall says. Remember, your workplace culture starts from the bottom up. In fact, it starts with you. At Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard, just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck-it-up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island, more partnership and less put-up-or-shut-up, and we get to have more community and less fuck you. We chef! And finally, we believe in you. Consider for a second, for all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into what we do, that really, at the end of the day, just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters. It doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? I get happy. I love it. I am humble. Goddamn Tory Fox, I don't live on now. <laughs> Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters. Until next time, be well. And do good. In case you didn't realize it, we just got our asses kicked in there, man. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other goddamn social media sites at Chef Life Radio, all one word. Visit us on the website at chefliferadio.com. Oh, yes, Chef. This show was written, produced, and recorded by me, Adam Lamb, at the Dish Pit Studios in Bardo, North Carolina, and co-produced by Thomas Stephenson. On the Dock is a production of Realignment Media. 